Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tops Talk, episode 22, where we thank you for listening in from whenever and wherever you are. I'm your host, Alex Birch. Star Wars. The pair of words means so much more to people than just being a movie franchise. Star Wars, to many people, means hope, family, love, hate, good, evil, and everything in between. Star Wars the Artifact is so malleable, so customizable, so personal. It shows itself in our daily lives, even when we least expect it. We at Tops feel it, just like you. We've been linked to Star Wars for decades, debuting card sets the same year George Lucas sent his inaugural movie to the screen. And we continue to this day, entering into the digital world even, through our Star Wars Card Trader app. In this episode, I ask the question, what does Star Wars mean to you? From Topps brand managers and designers, to the one and only Matthew Wood, who is General Grievous, the sentiments from everyone are nearly identical, but each answer is unique. We're all different, of course, and that could be what Star Wars means to you. My name is Matthew Petz. I'm the designer for Star Wars Card Trader, and this is what Star Wars means to me. I guess I'm old enough that it came out at the perfect time in my life when I could keep watching it over and over again on videotape, and when I was done watching it, I could recreate it or create my new adventures because I had all the toys. So it was this thing that was this constant creative cycle as I was a little kid growing up. I'm playing with the toys, I'm watching the movie, playing with the toys, watching my movie, and then when I find out that, well, I'm the type of guy that likes to draw, I became one of those nerds, um, I started creating my own adventures. So it's this, been this incredible creative thing in my life, like my entire, my entire life. And now with the new movies coming out, it's reinvigorating everything. It's been this constant presence around me the entire time. And so for me, Star Wars is, you know, when I think back, it's probably that spark of creativity that sends me on this direction of making comic books and eventually working for Tops here, working for Star Wars, which I always tell my friends if I could tell my seven-year-old self that one day you're going to grow up and make Star Wars cards, my seven-year-old self, was, his head would explode. It just He wouldn't be able to handle it. So, I mean, Star Wars really means a lot to me. Hey, this is Jeremy Strauser. I'm the general manager of the Tops Digital Apps team, and this is what Star Wars means to me. Like most of our customers, I grew up with Star Wars. I'm a child of the 70s, you know, I grew up in the 80s, and Star Wars was a big part of my life. Um, it was a, a, a lot of fun growing up in the, the age of Star Wars. Like, Star Wars was a big thing by the time Jedi came out, um, so much so that that summer I went to work with my mother every day that summer like so during summer break that was my summer care plan I think it was 10 years old and so I would hang out at my mother's office until about you know 11 30 12 o'clock and I would cross the Roosevelt Boulevard in Philadelphia which is this monstrosity of a, a street in Philadelphia that has I think six lanes on either side and a very convoluted traffic area uh, to go over to the Northeast Cinema on Roosevelt Boulevard and I would see Return of the Jedi at the, at the matinee, which I'm sure was like $1.50 or something like that at the time. And did that for a couple of days, like when, when the summer first started, until my mother said, no, you can't just see Star Wars every single day this summer. Like, you have to do other things. So I convinced her that I would go to other movies 
as well uh, during the day. And I would buy my ticket for those other movies, but I would actually just go and see Star Wars. So I saw Return of the Jedi probably 50 to 60 times in the summer of 1983. And, you know, at at a high level, Star Wars really is, it just means pure entertainment to me. It is just an, an area where I can just, when I watch it, I can escape, worry about my day to day, even when I was in, you know, a 10-year-old, even when I was in high school, and certainly now, I can kind of just get away from everything and live along with those characters. Uh, there's something about the, the characters and the, the, the galaxy and, and everything that's going on that just draws you in and, and lets you kind of escape for a couple of hours. Hi, I'm Mark Von Olin, and I'm the brand manager of Star Wars here at Topps. Uh, For me, Star Wars has ultimately been a story of hope. It's one where uh, good triumphs over evil in the end, uh, but what it takes to get there is a really interesting story and a very long character arc of development for uh, Anakin Skywalker. Uh, You know, he starts out a good guy, he's a Jedi, um, he goes through a lot, he becomes the lead villain uh, in the series, and ultimately in the end, when he's saved by his son, it's less about a physical confrontation and more about Luke believing that there's still good in him. So there's this message of redemption. Um, and, you know, we could argue here or there whether could you forgive someone like Vader given the, cha- the chaos that he caused, but um, the movie makes it clear that he's redeemed. Um, and for me, there's something really powerful about that message that given all the things that happen in someone's life and all the ups and downs they go through that ultimately in the end you can make the right decision and save the day. Mark, I agree 100%. I think Star Wars, like you're saying, really transcends just the story. It, it's the themes. It's the themes of the movie that matter most and uh, clearly resonated with you a lot. On May the 4th, which for the Punctual Podcast listeners will be tomorrow, Mark Galactic Connections Series 3. This is going to be a great release, and let's go into why. Yeah, I am so excited about Galactic Connections Series 3. Um, I should mention trademark patent pending. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love when you do that. That's my favorite. We're we're having such fun with this product. You know, in our third release, uh, Wave 1 or Series 1 hit on September 4th of last year on Force Friday. And then we put out Series 2 in time for The Force Awakens film on 1218. Each release had 75 characters uh, plus a solid 14-karat gold disc in there um, and some promo discs that went along with them. Uh, But this time around, Series 3 is our largest individual release. We've got 100 characters plus a new 14 karat gold solid disc um, and on top of that you can find the product in two different locations in your local Walmart store. So what locations in Walmart can you find these? Right. So first of all, find yourself a Walmart. This is a Walmart exclusive. And for any of our international friends or anyone who somehow doesn't live near a Walmart, uh, walmart.com will have them as well. Uh, in fact, we already heard that they are popping up on shelves now. So while May the 4th is the official street date, uh, there's no embargo. So you may have found them over the weekend. Uh, but visit two different locations in your store. There's the collectible and trading card aisle, which is where they're housed for Series 1 and 2. It's where you'll find your Star Wars trading cards and everything else, uh, your baseball cards from Tops, And you know, I'm sure that's the only brand you're buying. Um, and then also visit the toy aisle, um, and and in there you'll find the booster packs. Uh, there are two different pack types, the booster and the starter. The boosters have five discs for $3.99. The starters have 14 discs for $9.99. Um, the boosters are available exclusively in the uh, toy aisle. And on top of that, we have different characters uh, in each aisle. So we are going to send you up and down the store. Uh, 100 characters total, like I mentioned. 40 of them are base and can be found in both aisles. And then there are 30 exclusive characters for each aisle. 
So besides, obviously, what fans have been able to collect before, there's some really exciting new content, which you touched on a little bit, but why don't you expand on it? Yep, so in Series 1 and 2, we had characters from across the entire saga, and then in Series 2, we added vehicles. Uh, For Series 3, we now have location discs. So you'll find places like uh, Bespin and uh, Endor and Yawin and places like that, and the locations have slightly different attributes than the vehicles and the characters, of course. Uh, We also added in a new uh, disc type. So our rarity scheme, you know, if you guys remember, the gray discs are common, the black are uncommon, and the clear are rare. And then we've got a slew of ultra rares. Uh, Well, first off, we retired one of them. So Lightsaber Red is no longer with us. Uh, You will only be able to find it in Series 1 and 2. We still have our Jabba Slime Green and the newly added Lightsaber Purple from Series 2. Right after that one, in terms of the rarity scheme, comes our newest color, R2-D2 Blue. And it's a metallic blue color. It's fantastic. It's gorgeous. It's actually my favorite one in the whole set. Um, And that comes right before the other two metallics in the set, the Death Star Silver and the C-3PO Gold. Before you then get into your ultra, ultra rare limited print discs uh, like the Battle Damage and the Slave 1 and the Imperial Red. And those are incredibly difficult to pull. We printed a very small number of each of those discs. And I would be remiss without mentioning or without bringing up again the solid gold discs, which to me, like, that that's that's the coolest thing that, in my mind, is a part of this. Just because I can't believe, A, that we do that, and B, I can't believe how many there are. I can't believe we accomplished it. I'll be honest. Like, when we were first looking into this, it sounded like a pipe dream. Um, when we did Series 1, we decided we would do Leia in her Jabba prisoner outfit. I now think we're, they're referring to her as Leia the Slayer in that in that outfit. Um, maybe not canon necessarily, but uh, certainly one of her most powerful looks. Uh, that was our solid gold disc for Wave 1. And then for Series 2, we did Leia disguised as Boosh. Uh, for Series 3, we've actually chosen uh, the Millennium Falcon, which I would venture are, is most people's favorite vehicle in the entire series you'd have to think yeah and certainly so important in the force awakens so for us it felt like the right fit um leia may return again as we get into future releases but we felt like the falcon was the right move this time and there are actually seven gold discs inserted into the product so whether you're buying in the collectible aisle or in the toy aisle um, across the different pack types the starter and the booster you have a chance uh, two or three gold discs are inserted into each so uh, you do have a, um, a even higher chance this time around of pulling a solid gold disc and we've had several winners already uh, from the first two releases we're giving away two booster packs from galactic connection series three one we're giving away through at top senate the Twitter handle, and the Twitter handle, Tops Talk, of course. Why not? And we're going to use the hashtag. I'm going to ask you folks out there to use the hashtag, what SW means to me, with the two being the number two. So again, the hashtag, what SW means, the number two, me. So definitely follow along at Tops Talk and at Top Senate for a chance to win those booster packs. Um, definitely follow along at Top Senate and at Tops Talk for a chance to win the booster packs from Star Wars Galactic Connection Series 3. And be sure to follow all of our social channels on May the 4th. That's Facebook.com slash Tops, Twitter.com slash Tops Cards, Instagram.com slash Tops Sports, and of course the hub for Top Star Wars official, that's Facebook.com official Top Star Wars. This is Ira Friedman, uh, Vice President of Global Licensing at Topps Company, and 
the question about what Star Wars means to me. Star Wars to me is has been something uh, that has meant uh, a, a whole lot of uh, special things for me on a personal level, but it's also helped carry me through decades of a career because it was not that long after uh, my experience at Starlog magazine that I did have an opportunity to actually go work at Lucasfilm for the company uh, in 1980. I was hired by uh, Lucasfilm Limited, and I was, uh, among other things, the head of the Star Wars official worldwide fan club, and worked in the merchandising division for the company, uh, and was also involved in some other marketing projects and a variety of publishing-related uh, licensing activities. So, having had the experience of working you know, firsthand. Uh, you know, at the epicenter of Star Wars, um, having uh, had opportunities to meet with George Lucas personally, to interact with him, uh, work on a, a number of projects for the fans uh, that were blessed by him, took inspiration from him, uh, really put me in a very unique place uh, to have had uh, this experience of interconnecting with Star Wars in this very, very special sort of way. Uh, my time at Lucas was not a very long time, but it certainly uh, was a very memorable one. And uh, fortunately to this day, um, I am still connected to the brand, not only on a personal level, uh, but on a professional level as well. So again, Star Wars means a whole lot to me. Uh, I think more so than anything else, and I think many other Star Wars fans would, would agree, is that it's being a part of this global community that shares something so special uh, that now, at this point in time, spans generations. My name is Jeremy Lipsy. I'm associate app producer for Star Wars Card Trader. And what does Star Wars mean to me? I was born in 1977, same year as Star Wars. I don't know a world without Star Wars in it. Um, most of my earliest memories of going to the movies, I remember waiting in line at Empire Strikes Back. I was all of four. Um, what's even cooler is that my daughter was born in 1997, a week before the special editions got released to the theaters. I got to bring her as a week old to the opening night premiere, which I know some people might question, but she slept through the entire thing. And um, basically her first movie was Star Wars, like my first movie was Star Wars. It's a strange connection, uh, 20 years apart, that you know the special editions would release in theaters, and I got to share it with my daughter, just like my father took me to the movies when I was a kid. I then took her to the following movies and stuff, but some of my most fondest memories of my daughter is um, attending the first Star Wars celebration in Denver, where she was the same size as R2-D2, and she stood up right next to him, and I have photos of that. Star Wars means so much to me that I was able to enjoy it as a kid, play with the toys, collect the cards, and to when I got older and had my own uh, child, that I was able to share it with her kind of the same way that it affected me as a child, and continue to share it with her. Um, 
as we watched the last The Force Awakens movie. Um, she flew in from college and came to the premiere that night. Um, it's something we continue to share. My name is Ian Hundiak. I am the senior app producer for our entertainment teams, and this is what Star Wars means to me. I've been a Star Wars fan my whole life, and Star Wars has kind of been a key link to sort of big moments for me. Uh, I think episode one, you know, I'm fairly young, I was a kid at the time, and uh, I remember uh, sitting in the theater, the opening crawl started, and a guy yelled out, oh, I've seen this one already which is, I'm sure, a joke that was told at so many theaters, but as a kid, I thought that was just one of the most clever things I've ever heard in my life. Seeing The Force Awakens at the end of last year was really, really like a powerful emotional experience for me and for the rest of the team, and I'm happy that I got to, to see it sitting next to Matt Petz, you know, who was there in the trenches with me from the beginning of this whole thing, and... You know, it was kind of a big moment for both of us. The opening crawl kind of started without previews, and it was very jolting and, and got us. And, you know, without any warning, we were in to this next film that we had, you know, spent months and months of our lives working on content for, working on promotions for, and now it was here. And you couldn't help but think back to seeing that opening crawl for the first time on those VHS tapes when I was a kid, seeing that guy yell, I've seen this before, at the opening crawl for episode one, and now uh, getting us to this point where episode seven is out. Uh, we've been lucky enough to work on it, maybe not on the film, but on the content for sure. It's interesting, you can use Star Wars almost as a timeline for your life. He has three times been nominated for an Academy Award for sound editing in movies Star Wars Episode 7, Wally, and There Will Be Blood, and he is the talent for Bib Fortuna in The Phantom Menace and General Grievous in Revenge of the Sith. Matthew Wood, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. You have such a long resume. Uh, that it's crazy. I mean, you scroll. You have to keep scrolling. Right. Uh, for sound editing, such as uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Munich. I saw Con Air on there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, man, there's so, there, and many more. How has this been as a career for you? And, and, and how did you get into this in the first place? Well, you know, I think uh, Star Wars is kind of what unified everything for me. Uh, when I was a kid... Five years old is when the first time I saw a Star Wars movie, my mother and father took me to see it, I believe, in the drive-in. And I just remember thinking, what an amazing, as, as, as most kids probably did, what an amazing uh, world that had been created. And uh, it was the first time I really understood what a director was. I mean, um, when, I, when that film finished, I remember there was a comic book that I opened up that my mother had gotten me. And I look at the, at the end there, and there is a picture of Alec Guinness sitting there uh, on the set in Tunisia and sitting next to this bushy-haired kind of guy with a plaid shirt. And I was like, well, Mom, who's that? The guy, I, I know who this guy is. That's Obi-Wan Kenobi. But who's that guy? I didn't see him in the movie. And she's like, that's the director. He made the movie. I was like, oh, okay. It's not just made by a bunch of actors. And like, that, there's, that's <laughs> it. They just like kind of just do it live, you know? And it was just my first introduction into like the filmmaking process. And there's actually a career to be done there. And then Lucasfilm had always sort of talked about the tech behind a lot of their movies. And, you know, you could read behind the scenes, uh, uh, little, little books and magazines and Starlog and, 
and that kind of thing. And I just got kind of obsessed with that company that was just this great blend of technology and storytelling. And then it just happened to be local to where I lived. And um, I, I and through a, for the series of events, uh, I was able to get a job as a teenager working there as a video games tester. Oh, man. And I kind of worked my way through the with the ranks. Isn't that just not the dream? It was a dream. I mean, <laughs> I remember my dad thinking like because it was a summer job and he's like so let me get this straight you're gonna play video games all day and they're gonna pay you it's like <laughs> yep <laughs> and those are some early games there at Lu- you, you made it son yeah you made it <laughs> <laughs> that's great well that, that's so interesting to me that you had that moment of kind of that revelation when you were younger of you know seeing that other person in that photo and and right. uh and i feel like a lot of us have that type of a moment and in a lot of different things, and things that ultimately interest us, and um, yeah. and I also find it funny that you kind of inadvertently created the idea for the drone because you're like, oh, things probably just fo- yeah. <laughs> filming it yeah. <laughs> from above, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you can maybe take credit for that. That's right. Yeah. But um, but no, I mean, and it's something that that really speaks, I'm sure, to a lot of people. And um, and one thing that I've asked a lot of my coworkers here uh, for this episode of the podcast is, what does Star Wars mean to you and huh. and for for you obviously it means a lot more than right. than uh, other people or maybe more is the wrong word but it's certainly different yeah. than a lot of than the general public sure. and you you went into obviously your discovery of Star Wars but if you can take a moment and and think to yourself and then say what does Star Wars mean to you personally bringing people together in a not so perfect way uh and you make friends really quickly i think that's it speaks to me in the movies that way and then also see that in the company that i worked for and, and that's one of the reasons why i love asking that question to people here because it 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 can come up in many different walks of your life that you don't even realize it right. um, but for you going back to that that kind of that new regime when you first started working on the newest episode, what was that like seeing another Star Wars movie come about, but yet not with the man that this all came from? Yeah, I mean, it it was... Um, it, it. I never thought we were going to do another movie after we finished um, Revenge of the Sith uh, 10 years ago. Uh, Dave Filoni was brought on and we did the Clone Wars movie and he and George worked on the Clone Wars series which we did over 100 episodes of and that was really satisfying actually those those episodes were like miniature little features we would do four episode arcs we had this 235 aspect ratio in the video we had a full orchestral score we had world class voice actors and Skywalker Sound we did our 5.1 audio for it so it was like working on little movies so we kind of kept the fires burning with Star Wars for a really long time uh, in between the two movies. Uh, and then at a certain point, you know, George uh, wanted to move on and put his attention on other things, but he wanted to make sure the company would live on. And uh, and all of us as employees were able to be part of that uh, Disney uh, deal and to make the new Star Wars movies. And uh, it's, it's, it's actually just been really exciting. I mean, uh, watching J.J. Abrams, there was a lot of times working on the film where I got to see him in, in very private moments, just I could tell he was very happy about what he was doing and you saw him geek out a little bit i saw him geek out we all (laughs) geeked out i mean there was a lot of geeking out going on where we're just especially like there's key moments we're sitting in on the john williams uh music uh that we were recording at sony and just in the in the room 
with everything, all the all the uh, instruments unamplified, and you're just hearing them push air into your ears, like in, right there, and and he- hearing him go through the entire credit sequence with all the the major themes. It, it was like, okay, this is like everyone's looking at their arms and they've got goosebumps. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. I think of I have like goosebumps. Yeah, I, I definitely have a few. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, let's talk about John Williams for a bit because you obviously yeah. have have worked with uh, worked with him many times. I mean, mm-hmm. w- w- first off, I've heard a little bit about what he's like, but I want to hear it from you on, yeah, on what it's like. I mean, he is the godfather of our soundtrack. I mean, he comes <laughs> in, um, uh, he comes in when we do our final mix, and he sits down and he gives we, we he gives notes and he gives very uh, astute notes actually on what what to where to put music and where not to and very humble there'd be sections of you know the film where he might say you know what i think we might have put too much music here let's take this cue out and let's try to let's try to balance it out with sound effects or 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 just play it with the dialogue and he's humble and um he has a great love for star wars and when he's on the set he's the most gentle soft-spoken man and uh, really really cares about um the star wars and and the legacy of what that is and and uh, we're all very fortunate to still be able to work with him yeah, I mean, he's he is a legend in, in every like sense of that word. Yeah. In, in just creating so many scores that people hum in the shower, and, right? Yeah, and, exactly. Or come to them randomly while they're driving a car. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh man, that's so nice. Yeah, yeah that's John Williams. Yes. <laughs> um, and I, I remember seeing an interview with uh, that J.J. Abrams had with. Uh, Jimmy Fallon, I think it was during the whole media circuit for the film, and he was saying that George that that um, that John Williams is the coolest man alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he yeah. said that he he calls everybody baby. Yeah, like JJ he does. baby. So he does. Are you, baby, are honey, you mad, sugar. baby? Baby, honey, and sugar. <laughs> and it was funny because I when I started working with him. I remember I really just wanted to say maestro. I wanted to call him maestro because there's like nobody in my entire life I could ever call him maestro. And actually, it, 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 it works. It fit, so yeah. I remember the first time I got to say, well, yes, maestro, we're going to go up with real two next. And, and he just took it, you know, took it in stride. And I was nice. like, yes. This is Keith Cuenca, associate app producer for the Star Wars Card Trader app. And this is what Star Wars means to me. Star Wars has... I guess just always been a part of my life. Like I, I was born in 1990, so there has never been a moment where there was no Star Wars. I don't know a time before Star Wars ever existed. You know, it's almost like the Beatles, where everyone knows the Beatles songs just because they're so ingrained in pop culture. There isn't anyone on this planet that doesn't know Luke Skywalker, that doesn't know Darth Vader or Princess Leia or Han Solo. They're the definition of pop culture. And to me, as a pop culture junkie, I, I, I was obsessed. I just needed to know everything about the movies, the characters, the, the expanded universe. So there would be moments where I just couldn't get enough of what I was seeing on the screen. So I needed to read the books. I needed the comic books. I needed to play all the video games. But I think what really got me ingrained in the Star Wars community was when I started playing Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast where you could play as Kyle Katarn and getting into his story. That multiplayer aspect of that game brought me to Star Wars outside of myself. It it got me connected with other Star Wars fans. I joined a clan. I was a Jedi in the Guardians of Peace and Justice. And now I get to work on an app that has such a strong community with the same sort of vivacious life to it. And I'm directly involved with that and it could be better. Thank you.
When you first were given Bib Fortuna, right? How did you react to that? Well, that's that's funny. That was early, and you know, I was just becoming a supervisor at, at, at Skywalker, and there was a um, a moment where George was re going to purpose the Bib Fortuna character and put him in the uh, pod race scene instead of in the Senate, and so he. I was taking notes about something he was talking about and he kind of looked at me taking notes and he goes, we need somebody that's kind of, kind of creepy, kind of skinny, kind of lurky. Oh, you know what? <laughs> Matt, you'd be perfect for that. Go down to ILM and let's shoot that. I was like, what? Yeah, go, go and be with Bib Fortuna. So I went down to Industrial Light Magic and they, you know, it took about five hours to put the makeup on me. And uh, it's funny then in the movie that, that scene I actually don't speak but it's my face right but everything else I've done in Star Wars I speak but it's not my face so I haven't had the the two paths converge yet but maybe okay. that'll happen soon when I think of your name also of course the next character that I think of and it's from Revenge of the Sith is General Grievous one of the coolest looking men I think it, or machines, machines in, yeah. in, <laughs> in the galaxy and so how did how did your association with Grievous come about well, we were working on the uh, just putting a temp mix together for the show, so we wanted to kind of have it so we could play through the whole movie and hear what it's going to sound like and make notes. And George was just, you know, he wasn't getting exactly what he wanted for some some of the casting packages that we had sent out to the various um, agencies. And so we every once in a while we'd get another 15 actors in. They were from all walks of life and like male, female, um, old, young, uh, different accents. And uh, we would try all these these um, we'd give them the same lines i would process them the same way so they sounded like they were being synthesized from grievous mm -hmm. internally it was a you know to show that it's a cybernetic kind of add-on sure. so that we kind of locked down on like it's going to sound like this coming through the processor so every actor we'd put through the same process and he was like i kind of like part of that one i kind of like part of that one maybe this one and so the the producer was starting to get nervous because the the last part of the animation of that character is moving its how it's going to move when it speaks so really was being anxious to get that nailed hmm. down and on the last set of actors that came through i went ahead and sub my my colleague chris was said why don't you put yours in there go you do one because and i was <laughs> like what and he's like yeah yeah no no you do one you know you know what he wants so i i went into my office and i kind of did what I thought he wanted and um, worked on it a little bit and then just kind of put a, a, a fake name on it and with all the rest of the last auditions and I sent it up to George to have in his editing room and a couple days go by I don't hear anything um, I kind of forgotten about it because there's other things going on and then I get this call from the producer saying hey Matt George pick one he, he's, he's, he's got he nailed it he, he, he definitely wants this actor so let me know which we got to bring in AS because I had put initials of every actor in the um, mm -hmm. in the file name, and so I go to my list of my file names that I, had, you know, my key to show me who was who yeah. was who, and I go down the whole list, and there's no AS, and I'm like, oh no, you know, I, <laughs> darn it, I, I, I must have screwed up and not used the right list, or something went wrong, and my organization went wrong, so I was going to open up the session and try to trace it back, and then I just realized, oh, you know. That's me, because <laughs> I did AS was Alan Smithy, and I just kind of put that in as my own. It's like That's, a little, a little uh, you know, anonymizer that people yeah. use for their names, and uh, and so I just said Rick, you know, I saw him later at lunch. I said Rick, uh, that's that's me, and he's like, what? He's like, yeah, that's me. That's, and he's like, well, what what do you want me to do? And I said, just call him, just tell him, just tell George, you yeah. know. And, and and George called me up the next day, and 
was very happy and he said let's come down tomorrow and let's record it and um hey you're in house yeah so we we did that and uh we you know and i think it was good for him because he could always change the lines the character doesn't really have a mouth that moves so we can alter the lines and we did very a lot of times just to change the story a little bit uh and it wasn't you know until i didn't tell anybody in my family i was like i I know how movies work and I know how things can be just swapped out at the last second. So I was like, I'm not going to tell anybody until it's going to be expensive to, to take me out of the film because then I know they (laughs) won't do it, you know? So we got all the way through the mastering process. It was being printed. It was done. I'm like, okay, now I can tell my family like it happened. And I remember George took me aside. He's like, you know, this is, this is going to change your life. And I said, what do you mean? You know, I've been working here for 15 years at this point. And I said, you know, I've, I've had a great career and I, I'm really happy. And he's like, no, 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 this is different. This is different. This is not the post process. This is just, this is this, this is a different thing. And I was like, okay, I'll trust you. And yeah, it did. It really, it, Clearly, op- it opened I mean, up a lot of sitting doors. sitting right here, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it opened up a lot of doors. The one, the one really fun thing is that the fact that I get to meet fans I go to a lot of fan events and and get to see that passion for Star Wars right there in the trenches. And I get to take that back with me to work and kind of let that ruminate on what I'm hearing and uh, and people's passions and know that even though we're out at Skywalker Ranch at this little isolated location in Northern California, that what we create has this big ripple effect all over the world. And and, and in people everywhere I go in every country, there's probably some Star Wars fan group that would would know something I did and and what we create. And and it's... uh, that's a that's a really good feeling. It must be. And and do you remember? I'm sure you remember the first time that you really understood how your life had changed. Um, I think uh, it was at the uh, Star Wars Celebration that they did in 2005, I believe. It was called Star Wars Celebration Three. It was a big fan event of which we're going to have another one in, in the UK coming up here soon. Yes, this that's was, right. This was in Indianapolis. And they said to me, the, the, the head of the fan sort of relations was uh, this gentleman, Stephen Sansweet, who's a huge toy collector of Star Wars. And he said, hey, Matt, do you, do you think you want to go to Celebration? And I was like, sure, it'd be fun to check out. He's like, you know, you might have some interest in the fact that you're the new villain's voice. And I was like, well, I, you know, I'm a voice talent. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be recognized or whatever. And so I said, sure, I'll go. We can set up a little card table or something. And I'll talk to people if they want to have a, if we can have a talk on sound or something like that. So right. I show up and there were thousands of people in line the entire time <laughs> I was there. It never stopped for me, ever. And it was like. At your little card table? I remember, yeah. I mean, it was not, they didn't give me a card table, they gave me a knife. But it was like, I remember walking in and seeing the start of where the line was. It was like, here's all the line starts. And like Matthew Wood, General Grievous was, you know. Like all people were outside of that line barrier, and I was like, "What is going on?" And so I, I and I started walking around, like, "Are you in the right? Like, what line are you in right now?" There, there, uh, Matthew Wood Grievous line. I'm like, "I'm not supposed to go to that table for like another hour." I felt I started feeling bad, like, "Well, I better get over there right now. I want these people to go experience celebration and not have to wait in line." Yeah. <laughs> so I just stayed at that table the entire four days or whatever it was. Just yeah, that was pretty mind blowing. That's wild. That is absolutely wild. And so few people in this world get to experience yeah. something like that. Yeah. So and I, and I know you can appreciate that because you had so much of so much time before. Right. This yeah, is, yeah. This is happening. Sure.
Neil Clyde, Art Director for Topps Digital Apps, including Star Wars Card Trader. Uh, what Star Wars means to me, I grew up a Star Wars kid. Saw the movie, some of the movies when they were in the theater originally, starting with, I believe, Return of the Jedi. It really kind of directed my childhood. I played Star Wars, I was Star Wars, I collected Star Wars, everything from the Kenner action figures to the Topps cards and stickers to anything that pretty much had Luke Skywalker or R2-D2 on it, I would run out and own. Star Wars means to me, it means childhood, it means nostalgia, it means generations. I mean, besides just the story, generations of families share with one another. You know, I, I like I said, I, I grew up with it as a kid, but now my kids get to experience it as well. You know, I spend what I said this last year uh, with my seven-year-old. Uh, we had kind of a Star Wars renaissance where the minute he turned seven, we sat down and watched A New Hope and then worked our way through, you know, Empire Return and then the prequels and leading up to Force Awakens and being able to sort of experience it again. The wonder, the magic through his eyes was kind of let me experience it, you know, and feel that wonder as well. Before we go, uh, I would love to know of your history with card collecting oh, because yeah, obviously sure. that's ultimately why you're here exactly as much as you i'm sure you'd love to talk to me uh, that is <laughs> why you're here and so talk a bit about your history with with card collecting oh gosh that probably started around the same time i became a star wars fan i mean i remember <laughs> i had all the those original star wars cards like the you know the yellow and the red and the blue or the blue stars were like the rare ones i remember um, and we would trade them. Uh, I had all, all the kids, I lived in a pretty suburban neighborhood and we all just sat around and we would have card trades, um, for Star Wars. And then we moved into baseball as well. Um, wacky packages was definitely a favorite. Um, we loved having those. Uh, and I still have everything in a storage in my storage <laughs> that I'd love to get out and go look at again. And, you know, I've always tops has always been synonymous to me with just a, a fun, happy time sitting with my friends and trading cards. And, uh, and and Mark, uh, who works here, was telling me about the the online trading cards that you guys are doing now, which that's seems pretty correct. cool. Star Wars enough. card trader. I'm gonna have to set up for that and see what that's all about. You should, yeah, yeah absolutely, no, yeah, and no. yeah, because because of because of your affiliation, we'll we'll, we'll hit you up with some credits nice. uh, so you can get a nice start, a nice head start yeah. uh, to your collection. Um, but yeah, and, and and to me, I mean, what Tops has done, obviously, for a very long time. Um, really, to me, shares a lot with Star Wars, which is that when you see something like a Topps card or, mm -hmm. let's say, a clip from Return of the Jedi or Empire or what have you, you can remember like where you were. You can remember totally. where you were the first time that you yeah. saw it or the first time you either held that card or right. the first time that you saw that player or that character, if you will. Yeah. And, um, and because... I will have asked literally everyone else that I know in this building and you what Star Wars means to them. What Star Wars means to me is a look back and a look forward simultaneously. Yeah, that's nice. And like so that. it is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. That it is. And yet <laughs> it's this this look of a futuristic mm -hmm. appeal as well, but also a long time ago. So it, yeah. it, to me, it, it kind of it, it transcends time and space. And to me, that's what. Star Wars means to me. That's excellent. You know, like another thing about the cards I remember as a kid is just 
getting a little window into the filmmaking process also happened that was like early on seeing like oh look at the model makers or oh yeah you know look how they created this this droid you can see anthony daniels like inside of a droid costume or you know here's a different look at r2d2 that you'd never seen before and it was just obviously tops means something to the uh to george lucas and 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 lucasfilm at the time because they shared so many amazing images with with tops and to see that um, and then the facts that were on the back, you know, you get oh, yeah. you get little facts that were not you didn't know, and you could that, having that knowledge as a kid was like was currency on the playground, you know, like, and uh, I I just love that I, I love that was a, a nice window in the filmmaking process with those early tops cards and yeah, and in the app uh, in the Star Wars Card Trader app, uh, it's there's making of Mondays. Oh, nice! And so they come out with uh, with behind the scenes look yeah. uh, every week. So it, that's that's a uh, that's a very special card that and I, that I, I personally love. I mean that's yeah. that's actually one of my fit that one and Film Quote Fridays are my two my two favorite ones. Excellent. Um, when you look back on your Star Wars your kind of Star Wars career, if you will, which yeah. is still going right, uh, yeah. and and I, when you ultimately look back, and I'm talking about when. The, when your involvement is done, yeah. you say, "You know what? Enough episodes. Right. I'll, I'll let. I'll give it to the next guy." Yeah. Um, what do you want people to say about what you contributed? Oh, geez, that's a good question. Um, I just hope that I I kept the the feeling, the original feeling of Star Wars alive. I hope that I honored what has come before, and. Put some form of a unique stamp on it. I I hope that I have have um, worked. I've trained a new generation of people to to take it forward and to get their new insights and and and, and to you know put Star Wars in the in, in the new generation. Um, yeah, I'm pretty happy so far about like what's come before and what's happened. And now I just feel like it's um it's just my duty to, to keep that to keep that rolling. Thanks for listening to Top Stock, and we hope you hear us again soon. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Audioboom, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And you can find us on Twitter, at Topstock. If you have any questions or comments, or would like to tell us your collecting story on a future episode, email us at topstock@tops.com. Special thanks goes to Clay Laraski, Leanne Minutoli, Susan LaJudai, Ira Friedman, Ian Hundiak, Matt Petz, Keith Cuenca, Neil Clyde, Jeremy Strauser, Jeremy Lipsy, Mark Von Olin, and Matthew Wood. This has been episode 22 of Top Stock.